character is, as Aristotle put it uh, thousands of years ago, um, the habits that we have that are good for us and good for other people. And when you think of habits, you can think of the ways we typically feel, the way we typically think, and importantly, the way we typically behave. And I think that definition would then include grit and self-control, which I study, but also, obviously, honesty and empathy, kindness, generosity, curiosity, creativity, humility, and many other um, habits that I think everyone would say, yeah, if you have these habits, they are good for you and they are good for other people as well. I started a nonprofit several years ago with two educators, and we called it Character Lab in honor of Aristotle and also in honor of Martin Luther King, who said that character and intelligence were the two aims of true education. And we believed that uh, in, in the course of schooling, it was important to learn these habits that are good for you and good for others. So Character Lab facilitates research. We connect researchers, usually psychological scientists like Carol Dweck, uh, who are around the world with schools across the United States. And that enables these researchers to study things like optimism and growth mindset or gratitude or kindness uh, with students uh, where they are. Um, we do this by conducting research studies digitally. So, you know, typically students are interacting with research activities uh, through the computer labs in their school. Um, I think for the parents and educators who interact with Character Lab, they may appreciate more um, what comes out of those research studies, which are insights about how children grow up to thrive. And we have a website called characterlab.org, and we um, try to translate the scientific insights into language um, that is more actionable and accessible than, you know, scholarly scientific articles. You know, if you ask the question, is creativity really part of character, you know, you have then say, is it good for you and good for others? And I, I do think creativity enriches your own life, and um, I think creativity likewise, um, you know, at least put to good purposes, can enrich the lives of others. Creativity is doing things that are different than they have been done before in a way that is useful. So it's not being different just for different sake, but, you know, thinking innovatively, um, trying to think, for example, well, students have, you know, gotten report cards for hundreds of years. A creative person would say, is there a way that we can give students feedback on their performance in a different way that is more useful or better than what they're doing today? So creativity, of course, you know, also applies in the arts. It applies to writing. Um, I think very broadly speaking, you know, we're kind of in a century that is marked by creativity, like more um, thinking that is different from traditional um, uh, ways of thinking that has preceded us. And I think that's, you know, one reason why we've had so much technological progress. Curiosity is wanting to learn, wanting to know more. That's what curiosity is. And if you think about who has curiosity more than anyone, you think, um, first and foremost, I think of children, right? Who wants to know more? What children, they're constantly asking questions. And I think, in particular, young children. Now, what happens when we enter school, which for, you know, most of us uh, happened around the age of five, um, we still have that curiosity. Um, by the time we're, say, 12, we might actually have a little bit less. And by the time we're 18, research shows that many students have kind of um, lost a lot of that original desire to learn, desire to know more. Um, 
it's a shame because I think in um, in every um, sort of theoretical way, if you just think about it on on logical principle, we we could actually grow in curiosity across childhood and adolescence and adulthood. But but why is our desire to know more shrinking? Um, I think it's in part because our educational systems do not encourage curiosity. They inadvertently, um, in many cases, you know, are not asking students like, what do you want to know more about? It's it's more this rush to kind of tell students the things that we think they should know. And I am, of course, all for academic rigor, but I do think that if you're not curious about what you do, then you will never really be great at it. Truly um, high performers, Nobel laureates, Olympic gold medalists, you know, um, uh, world-changing social activists, you know, are deeply curious. They always want to know more, and I think that is partly why curiosity is such an imperative um, right now, um, because we're not doing a great job of fostering or even maintaining curiosity in young people. Emotional intelligence is an idea that um, developed um, a few decades ago, and there were psychologists, including um, Peter Salovey, who is now the president of Yale University. Um, now so much of this work is led by Mark Brackett, who's a psychologist who's now at Yale, where they have the Center for Emotional Intelligence. Um, we partner with them at Character Lab because um, emotional intelligence is so important, and that is being able to recognize and manage um, in productive ways emotions in yourself and also in others. Um, and if you think about intelligence in the conventional sense, right, like being very good at logic or reason, um, it carries over in some ways to the emotional domain. But but here we're not talking about like you know logical statements. You know, does one follow the other? But you know, can you recognize, for example, when somebody who's with you is really feeling anxiety? Um, do you know what that looks like? Do you know what body language usually suggests anxiety? Can you recognize it in yourself? Can you even name? Um, the, the emotions that you're feeling at the moment, do you understand where they come from and can you manage them in ways that are healthy? Um, I, everybody manages their emotions, but sometimes when we cope with our emotions, like anxiety or sadness or anger or jealousy, we end up actually creating more problems for ourselves. We start smoking. Um, we eat too much. We eat too little. Um, we um, uh, you know, make other people feel badly when we, you know, say things, uh, you know, in response to their emotions. And I think the idea that emotional intelligence is as important as any other kind of intelligence is um, so very true. And at the same time, um, what gives me the most optimism about um, emotional intelligence as a science is that there are now ways that uh, increase your emotional intelligence that have been shown scientifically to be um, reliable to be helpful, and I think that is is why we're so excited that you know emotional intelligence, which is in my view part of character, um, uh, is such a central you know part of of you know I think the language that people are using, and even the fact that you probably had some intuition about what intelligence was before I started talking about it is is a big advance. I think mindfulness is very related because what mindfulness is, according to um, many practitioners and scientists. Um, is the non-judgmental awareness of the present. Um, so that has two parts, non-judgmental and um, of the present. So non-judgmental means that um, I am not immediately coming to a conclusion about whether the emotions that I'm feeling or uh, what I'm doing right now is good or bad. So you're reserving judgment. For example, you might have a craving to um, uh, do something um, maybe not so good, right? So um, you might have a craving to smoke a cigarette. 
Um, and a non-judgmental awareness of that craving would be to say, you know, I notice that I have this craving. Um, and you might at some level say, like, it's not good to have this craving. But before you rush to, like, I'm a bad person or I'm a weak person, you first just notice. And you are as non-judgmental as you can be in that moment of noticing that present emotion. And so there is a connection between mindfulness and emotional intelligence. Um, it is that non-judgmental pause where you can notice your feelings without rushing to pass judgment. So many of us, when we experience something like, um, you know, anxiety or a craving, we rush to judge ourselves harshly. Like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't feel like doing my work. Oh, I'm such a lazy person. Um, and I think a lot of emotional intelligence uh, starts with um, noticing that we have feelings um, and before we pass judgment just to, to be with those feelings um, and then decide what we want to do next. Grit is, according to me anyway, the combination of passion and perseverance for long-term goals. In other words, it is sustaining a commitment to something that will take a very long time to accomplish and working really hard, right? Not just being committed, but really working day in, day out um, toward that goal. And for some people, it could be, you know, a certain sports, uh, you know, milestone, or, you know, for some people, it could be a lifelong pursuit, like, you know, the pursuit of truth. Um, I think it's important to high achievement in particular because, um, because I guess simply, you know, nothing in life is easy because, you know, to do something like, you know, changing an education system or, you know, really building um, a company or, uh, you know, um, reaching a certain milestone in a performance art like music or, or dance. I mean, it just, it just is the nature of, of the work that it can't be done in a day or a week or, or a month. And I, I got interested in grit because I was interested in what made uh, high achievers special other than luck um, and other than talent, knowing that, of course, luck and talent play a role, but, but it seemed to me that there was something else. And I, I think this combination of passion and perseverance really does characterize high achievers across every domain um, that you can think of. Growth mindset, you know, sometimes um, elicits eye rolls from parents because, you know, they've gotten so many newsletters home from their children's school about mindset, and even some adults who don't have children are now getting company newsletters home about how important it is to have a growth mindset. What is it? Why is everybody talking about it? A growth mindset is um, the belief that your abilities can change, the, the belief that you might actually have more math ability um, next year than you had, you know, this year, the belief that your writing abilities may change, not just that you can learn a little bit about writing, but that your your talent for writing, if you will, um, could could change. And I know for some people they think, like, what does that mean? Like, what do you <laughs> – and that would suggest that you might be have a fixed mindset, you know, kind of a, a steadfast conviction that really people don't change much in fundamental ways. I think it's so important, and I, I can appreciate, you know, a little bit of eye-rolling because, you know, that happens whenever we get hyper-exposed to things. But I think it's a wonderful thing that as a culture we've embraced the idea of growth mindset. I was recently in a bookstore, and there was, you know, as there are in many bookstores, you know, little tables out with little signs on them, you know, you know, here's what to read in November, here are staff picks. And there was one table that had a little sign that said, Get Smarter. Um, and then there were books that were, you know, on different topics. And I thought that's Carol Dweck um, at Stanford uh, who coined this term growth mindset. That's the influence of this term. And I think um, uh, in, in, in the totality, it's really a net, a, a, a wonderful thing because 
um, if you do have the conviction that your abilities can change, when you are faced with challenges, when you're faced with setbacks, um, you are more likely to um, to keep going because you think that there's, you know, some hope for you. Um, in our work together, Carol and I have found that grit and growth mindset are correlated. Um, and I have subsequently found that there is a reciprocal causality that plays out over time. If you are somebody who has more of um, a tendency to be gritty, you know, to work hard, you will then, the next time I come back and measure things, have a greater uh, growth mindset, and then I come back again, and that larger, you know, the sense of, you know, abilities can change, that predicts greater grit in a kind of virtuous cycle.